Hey everyone, we are Whatever Is Left here with another episode for you today, this time on the topic of domestic terror and the build-up to the January 6th insurrection. I am Hunter. I'm Matt. I'm Danny. And this is our guest host. Joshua Lazier, smartest guy, best guy. He hates me. I hate, no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, my name is Joshua Lazier. Um, hi, and glad to be here. Uh, is there anything, uh, without revealing too much information, that uh, you, you can, other than you know your whole name, <laughs> that you can tell our audience about you? Um, got two associates, criminal justice and poli-sci, but, you know, education's a continuing process for everybody, so always learning, always expanding. Um, I don't know, I just, I study a lot of stuff relating to... Military, politics, security issues, a whole broad slew of things rattling around in the spring. Alright, so let's uh, let's get started. Um, we're going to let Josh here sort of uh, navigate us through this topic as he's a bit more knowledgeable in it than we are. And we're going to uh, take turns comment, you know, commenting on all this. Well, I think the first question I was... Actually, I'll lead this in with a question. Because there's a few... And we're going to get to a... I'm going to use these questions to hit a couple points. Um, the first one is... Uh, I guess, just generally around the room. What were your guys' initial reactions to it? When you first heard about it? Who, what, when, where, why? The whole thing. What were you thinking when it happened? So I was... Danny's at, already like, yeah. oh, I'm going to let this out. <laughs> yes, um, I was at work. And we were like... I was getting the news and I was watching it and I was like, you know, if this was black people, this wouldn't have gotten this far. Literally the first words out of my mouth was, if this was a group of black people, this would have been shut down hours ago. Uh, you're not wrong. Uh, yeah, I'm not like, how do you... Yes. I'm going to try to argue this. <laughs> I'm going to play devil's advocate here tonight. Um... You're wrong, because police don't do that to black people. <laughs> yeah, That's literally what um, happened. Like, no. I, I wish there was another reaction. It wasn't even like, oh, God, how is this happening? I was just looking. I was like, I get how this is happening. But if this was a group of black people or minorities or just women marching, uh, protecting their reproductive rights, like, it, like it hasn't happened before. I don't know. Those seniors, those, those moms in Portland seemed pretty surly when they were linking up. My thought was, like, this... I thought, like, I reading up to it, I saw, like, the snippets on Twitter and whatnot, mm -hmm. thinking, like, this is, like, another mean version of that storming Area 51 kind of idea. And then I actually, oh, like, no. saw the video and pictures, and I'm like, if, and back in my mind, I'm like, man, what if they had, if they had this much energy? Could they actually have stormed Area 51? But the second thought was immediately, like, wait, they're actually storming the Capitol. What the? Uh, I was at work, um, and then I remember going out to eat afterwards. There's a feeling of, like, Almost, you know, you're, you're powerless as, like, a regular person who's, like, not anywhere close and doesn't want to be anywhere close to what's going on there. You see what's happening, and you're like, well, uh, hopefully someone does something about this who's in an actual position of power sooner than later so that no one gets hurt. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the person who was in the position of power was encouraging it, though. Uh, I mean, they're, they're more than one person in positions of power. But I'm just saying yeah. the position of power, like, yeah, the greatest. definitely. Uh, but also, what surprised me was, like, I've been in D.C. Like, I've driven yeah. D.C. The amount of time it would take to move that amount of people there. Like, you don't just see them coming. You hear them coming. 
And even though, like, there was uh, supposedly an order to, like, let them be them, I feel like there's so many more individuals who could have been like, let's not let them get in here. Because I only heard of, like, maybe three actual Capitol policemen who did their job. Uh, I think one of my favorite things that came out of it was the meme where it was like, you know, four years spending uh, their time yelling, build a wall, and these white people are literally climbing over a wall to get to the White House. Huh. Maybe it's like walls. No, not the White House. Not the White House. The Capitol. Uh, Capitol, sorry. There are walls outside of the White House now, though. I'm walls and fences. Kids, these are what special people look like. <laughs> um, I'd say my reaction was, so I was at work, um... I was working on a project, came back to the office, and they're like, hey, are you aware what's going on at the Capitol? At this point, it's like 3 o'clock. Like, it's pretty much 3 on the dot. And I'm like, no, what's going on? And it's, it's on the TV. And I walk around, see the TV, and I'm like... My first shock was... My first, like, in that first microsecond was, fuck! They actually decided to do something! <laughs> now all this talk! I don't know, you... Hey, you guys actually showed up for once to do something extra. And then in like that most microsecond, it was like, yeah, I'm not so surprised. I knew this was coming. And then the anger hit all within a second. I went through those three stages within a second. And I'm like, I knew it was eventually going to happen. Kind of reminds me. I knew eventually they were going to nut up and do something stupid. Remind and me. It did remind me of like very early. I think I think it was second year or first year Trump the Charleston incident down in us. Uh, there there are good people on both sides. Oh, yeah. oh my god! But like <laughs> almost the same level of like level. Of, what's one of the four? <laughs> Confidence or like a, in a seven a, stages of denial. It's like ability like, to be like <laughs> I can do this and nothing bad will happen to me. I was just so I I did have one big thought. Um, other than that feeling of like powerlessness, it's just like. Imagine if, well, we talked about, you know, what, what if black people were, were doing that in that mob. Uh, but, like, what if the left had this much guts to do something and organize like this? Yeah, we talked about this, and it's like... <sighs> that's going to lead into one of my coming questions. But right, we, we can the thing with the left we can, we can and doing it. something like this, it's like... <sighs> if you had, like, Antifa doing that. My, well, yeah, my conflict is uh, when you try to get the left to organize to do something this aggressive and violence, you're going to have the hippies come out, the neoliberal Democrats and all, oh, we can't do it like this. But even and if... This, uh, it's a doctrine of nonviolence. And the, but on the flip side to that, even if you do have the left um, trying to do something like that, it's always going to be taken by uh, the media. It's like, oh, look at them. Um, uh, and it's, the communists are coming, finally. Uh, or they're going to be like, you know, look at all this violence, when in, in most cases it's a peaceful protest and they're only going to exactly. show the bad parts. And if it's the left, exactly. it, it's just going to end up like any BLM protest. It's going to be the negativity and saying, oh, they have no reason to protest and mm -hmm. it's going to get shit on. Mm -hmm. But e but when the right did it, the the right media right media is just gonna be like, oh, show me that was just Antifa playing actors and like you know, well, real real Republicans weren't out there. And then the the left was okay, so but no one really takes that part. The, yeah, the irony of the Antifa thing is this: is like if you look at all the video, the vast majority of Antifa being aggro and aggressive and getting really aggro comes out of one of two cities. It's either coming from Seattle or it's coming from Portland. It's not coming from the rest of the nation. <laughs> The last time that happened was primarily Charlottesville. Like, the irony of, um, 
was it February 21st last year um they had that whole pro-gun day in Virginia and this whole mob of uh, like armed citizens and stuff showed up you know who showed up there? Antifa Antifa showed up they actually tweeted out the Antifa chapter for like Richmond or whatever tweeted out yeah we support you know second amendment rights and all this stuff and some of them actually showed up and they were actually rejecting the Confederate flag waivers there because they didn't want that negativity. They didn't mm -hmm. want that vitriol. And mm -hmm. that was some of the irony. Like, you talk about Antifa violence. Antifa Antifa's so much more complicated. And oh, that yeah. leads me to my next question. Okay. Well, I was going to piggyback off of something real quick with Go that. Ahead. That being, the reason why I feel like the doctrine of peace is such a uh, problem within the left is that we... We have the exact same problem the right does right now, and then there's two parties in both sides. Right now, you have the Trump rightsters, and then you have those traditional conservatives, conservatism. And then you on the left, you have your more progressive, up-and-coming, like, almost, let's say, millennials of democracy versus the boomers of democracy who still believe in doing things of decorum. Like, look, get me wrong, I believe every single boomer uh, Democrat... In a, give, push them to sub would do something, but they're so used to the ways that they were brought I mean, up. The there's ways like a taught. bit of ageism to what you're saying right now. But it, it, there's it, shitty it's people valid, of all though. ages. But yeah, I'm, like, I'm not saying they can't be well, crap people, but is the validity this, not in the people of of that age acting the way they are? Because the last I forget, they saw the way Trump handled the 2016 election and the way his tactics go about it, and instead of adapting to that style and like fighting back with fight same level of fire. They held to their guns of like, oh, tradition will win out or procedure will win out. They didn't adapt to Trump's like YOLO mentality and it caught up to them. And I'm saying that's catching up to them now because people around our age generation are like, I don't have time to wait. I'm going to do it now. We're going to do it right now. You've been in there for at least 30 plus years and have done nothing. Right. So that's what I'm saying is that the procedure of the old ways are stuck in them and they're never going to really change that. Now, the right, they're like, well, okay, whatever works to get us, like, popular, basically make us relevant, because... No, whatever keeps us in office. Yeah, basically, like... Whatever keeps us in power, we're gonna get whatever to this, makes some money. Yeah. Somebody write a note, because I lost my pen, but we're going to get to this part, and this is something that's been coming up recently, as a result of the insurrection and the fraudulent ballot thing, which is the new the vote voter security initiatives and things like that. Oh. Because that is one of the outcomes of some of this. Actually, you know what? We might have to cut that entire part of the episode because that is irrelevant, actually, to this whole conversation. I just well, realized that. Had a brain fart. Ugh. So we'll go to your next point. But then. that is one of the outcomes. So what is the definition of terrorism? I mean... Without, without looking. I mean, to my knowledge, if I had the lamest term, it is the political act of causing a disturbance. That's a protest, too. I mean, you're calling it a disturbance. I mean, I'm looking for some key factors. Well, I'm just saying, if you want to use that logic, I mean, logically speaking, uh, the Boston Tea Party was a protest, but oh, it's also it, it was also classified ahead. as terrorism. Ahead. Is my point? Is, you're good though. You're getting ahead, but you're right. That, that's because you can't use his words and say, "Oh, well, that's also the definition of a protest," without making the same. But there's facts. another incident before that that would be far more vitriolic, and I'm going to point that one out. I know. Go ahead. 
So I, I have a quote here. Uh, <laughs> oh, a you definition. Googled. I said without looking. Well, I don't care what you say. This is our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we so, run the show. <laughs> there, are, is it Google? Is it on Google? Uh, this is from um, the uh, CSIS, a tender, Center for Strategic and International yeah, Studies. Yeah. Uh, so these guys say... Um, Definitions. This analysis focuses on terrorism, the deliberate use or threat of violence by non-state actors in order to achieve political goals and create a broad psychological impact. Violence and the threat of violence are important components of terrorism. Yes. I would eliminate the whole posture on non-state actors for a number of reasons, because... States can conduct what is essentially terrorism. Yes, they can. So, other than that, yeah. But I was, I was going more for just textbook dictionary. So Oxford, Oxford, the unlawful use and intimidation, especially against civilians in the pursuit of political aims. That's the definition of terrorism. Mm-hmm. All right. So here's a question: What would cause you? What would be your red line? And you. You don't necessarily have to answer it out loud. I want you to think about it. Because it's a very kind of internal question. But what would be... Your line that you draw for terrorism? No, the line that would cause you to commit an act of political violence. Because I think everybody has an inherent line. That thing that would be like, you know what, enough's enough. We're going to go out and we're going to do this. You don't have to answer it. <laughs> but I want you to think about it. Anybody listening at home, I want you to think about this because this I'll gets into people. a bigger thing. And I'm not sitting here. I'm not promoting violence. I'm not saying go out and be violent. I'm saying think about the things that you hold value to that if it came to a certain point, you'd feel the need to act violently for political points. We here out of uh, uh, whatever is left does not promote violence or the actions committed in our names. Um not like there would ever be, but just in case. Yeah, that's we're our... not here to promote violence. We're, this is me going to a line. So, but just a small disclaimer. Not like any of yeah. our viewers. Are... I think most people have that line somewhere. I yeah, have, I have two very clear lines. But the point is, so we go into this one, and this is getting into the issue of terrorism, domestic terrorism in the U.S. and why there's issues with it. Because not police. So yes, this is more. Left well, this is a more left-oriented podcast. So, can someone acting under the banner of Antifa be considered a terrorist if their actions are classified meeting the definition of terrorism? Um, I mean, sure. How often does that actually happen, though? Well, it's not the point whether or not one one. The point is, can somebody who claims to be Antifa? Be classified as a terrorist. Yes, one man's act of terrorism is another man's act of fr- for freedom. You're jumping ahead again. <laughs> Stop being brilliant. <laughs> oh, sorry. Uh, okay, now here's the regional. next question. Can Antifa be classified as a terrorist organization? Perceptions, reality, so whatever. You I mean, believe. no. I mean, they're barely an organization. There. That was supposed to say, like, that's. Now, here's part. where we get to the big can of worms. Trump opened up a giant can of worms when he claimed Antifa and BLM were terrorist groups. I feel like that's just didn't, a Republican speaking point. Even our intelligence agencies tell him that no. That that's not, not how it works. <laughs> well, there's a reason for that because I mean, not only does it not work like that, it doesn't work legally. Um, and this gets into the issue. And I remember, oh, who was it? It was a guy who worked for the FBI. I think it was one of the directors or one of the. He was one of these boss guys. AOC was grilling him in Congress, asking him why, you know, you guys can't really do anything 
Legally, in terms of these groups, and attack them in this specific, specific manner, and he, you know, if I was in his shoes, I would have probably railed her a little bit with this, too, because he basically said, you know what, I don't make these laws. You need to look around the room. And the fact is, we don't have domestic terrorism laws. We have a definition. We have a legal definition of domestic terrorism. What we don't have is a legal test, and we don't have laws that can be supplemented with domestic terrorism. I think the reason why is, though, um, I think as Americans or as people in our country like to look at it, I don't think we like to look at, you know... Our history. Uh, our, no, no. Uh, I don't think people want to look at what we do and how we are as a country that we groom and grow and develop domestic terrorists, where most acts of terrorism do come from people within our own country against our own country. But we, don't, yes. but we don't like to admit that. We, 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 yeah. as a, we as a society, we as a country do not like to look at it and say, we are at fault because we are America. We are great. We're, nothing's our fault. It's, it's, it's other people grooming our people but to become so terrorists. There's so many documentaries about various, like the Oklahoma City bombing, the D.C. sniper. There's so many documentaries on so many, dom the Texas sniper, so many domestic terrorists are in a, see in America that you're taught in like middle to high school and yet no laws at all? You guys want to know why? Sure. We're going to make one stop off. Alright, Matt, get out. Omar, <laughs> Omar Mateen, Pulse nightclub shooter versus Dylan Roof. Why was Omar Mateen charged under terrorism or filed under terrorism but Dylan Roof wasn't? Because he's brown? Nope. Because state? Nope. The nightclub shooting was against gay people, which was an act of hate, which was a hate crime. In initially, no, it wasn't the hate crime thing. Because Omar Mateen cited ISIS as an influence, therefore oh. he was classified under international terrorism. I couldn't remember. I, it's Dylan Roof did have a certain ideological mindset, which is tied towards extremism and could arguably, under the definition, fit terrorism. But because our domestic terror laws. Don't really apply to self-radicalization on the basis of international motivations and things like that. You can't charge them with even international. I terrorism. forgot about. So I couldn't even remember. Like I was like, I know it was a nightclub no, that was against gay people in was, Orlando. Yeah, Pulse That's, was a gay shooting. Yeah, I but just couldn't. Cited, but because he had this uh, sighting of influence and support from ISIS and things like that, he, I couldn't. They were able to slap international yeah. terrorism on. I, I just couldn't remember because it's been years since I think we talked about explanation. it. It's because one of the biggest domestic terrorist groups in American history are still around and are in government. It's called the KKK. Not wrong. They run majority of, like, their judges, their lawmakers. They're, ex they're deep into many of power conversations. I don't want to use the word majority, but they certainly have influence, yes. That, that, uh, that leads to the laws not being created because they know that they would come for their people if any of them were to be caught. Are you sure it's just them, though? No. Okay. There's multiple like, domestic, domestic terrorists within pol politics. I'm not going to say it's just here's, one. Here's the political reality. So the reason why there are no laws regarding domestic terrorism in terms of our country is because both the left and right, uh, in terms of majority politics, Democrats and Republicans, realize them? No. They don't want to alienate voters. How many Republicans do you think empathize with the Proud Boys, who are now considered a terrorist and extremist group in Canada, a but third. not here? A third. Oh, yeah. Easily or yeah, how many Democrats and things like that empathize with BLM and Antifa, despite Trump calling them terrorists? Not Two thirds. enough. Two-thirds, Max. <laughs> not <laughs> enough. 
But you understand where I'm getting. Yeah. The issue why we don't have domestic terrorism laws and AOC trying to reach onto that during that interview with... Um, God, I can't remember the guy's name. But it's reaching into the point of, you know, AOC, you're new. Look around. Why do you think we don't have these laws? Because those people vote for you. People vote for you. Every other side is going to want to call the other side the enemy. And if we can call them terrorists, why not better? Because then we can just lock up our opponents. Because so oh, both sides kind of mutually agree, okay, we're not going to do this with domestic terrorism. Because we're just both going to alienate voters. It comes down to voter politics. But my, here's my thinking, though. Uh, also, the name of the director was uh, Christopher Ray. Yeah, Director Ray. Oh. Yeah. Was that Ray in that video? This is an older video. This is before the insurrection. Uh, this, this is a few months back. But um. But the, but as far as like, what's the purpose of like potentially alienating voters? Just like. But here's my thinking, though. Um, at least as someone who aspires to be politically involved, do I want them that much? From your side? Do uh, you? No, no, no. Uh, do I want that? Do I want them no know that? Yes, I can potentially can win a position. But it's only because the people who are so extreme helped me get... Okay, wait. Before you say... Matt, do you agree with Black Lives Matter? Yeah. Then yes, you want them. The, the, to answer your question, like, in the plain... Because at the end of the day, the right's still going to call them terrorists because Trump already said it. The same way everything is socialism, even when it's yeah. not. Even though Antifa is about being anti-fascist, it's still looked as a terrorist group... By you some people who really don't understand terrorism to begin with. Yeah. Because most of them associate terrorism with brown people anyway. No, no, I understand that part of the, the, the discussion. Am I wrong? <laughs> no, that was a sigh of uh, agreement. No, I understand that part of the discussion comes like, yes, I'll, if someone who supports Black Lives Matter, I want Black Lives Matter to be on my side. But more so what I'm talking about is that, let's say I was on the right, and but I don't support, like, the Proud Boys. But the thing is, okay... Do I... Do I have to, like, you, feign no, support? No, what you don't is feign... You don't... It's not... For the right, they don't have to feign support. They just have to not... Ignore them, almost. You, yeah. It's you, basically, like, it's been... I'm sorry. It's kind of been, like, the silent thing between the KKK and the Republican Party. The KKK can endorse them, and the Republicans will be like, well, I don't agree with them. Or, you know, they're entitled to their opinion. Or, it's kind of like they a don't playoff. Have a they're going to vote. The Klan is going to vote for him anyway. In terms of BLM and Antifa on the left, it's a little more difficult. You kind of have to be like... You be you that, like I don't see many Democrats sitting there saying, oh, Antifa's just fine people. We're going to... Yeah, BLM is easier to... Pal it's more palatable because it rings back to the civil rights movement and things like that. But you have a bunch of people dressed in the black block gear. It's kind of harder to sit there and say Antifa and all that. But, well, if we're talking about what Antifa is, they're just anti-fascist. It's easy for a politician on the left to say that. As opposed to, I absolutely support 100% Antifa. Go, go do your Antifa thing. It's, you know, easier to say, I too oppose fascism. Yeah. So it's not like you're, ugh. You, you were not asking to wave the Antifa flag, and it's obvious the Klan isn't asking Republicans to wave the cross, their weird little craw or whatever they call it, uh, their symbols or whatever, but you understand the point. It's like, they're going to do it. So, 
Of course, both parties aren't going to sit there and make laws that could potentially alienate factions, especially when both of them whistle to their extremes. But you see, my thinking is that you're playing a dangerous game of almost hot potato because if I make the if I was in a position to make and help make a law that define domestic terrorism as such, mm-hmm. yes, that's the potential to hurt my interests, but it covers Americans, which is my first job as a congressman or woman. Your job is to represent the people, care about the people, not people you know, people you might have to use or help along, help you along the way. You were put in the position to help people. So do your job. Your interests don't matter once you become a public official. Your job is now to be a fan of the public. I'm not saying you're not wrong. I'm just saying good luck getting it. I'm not saying you're not wrong. I'm just saying that it is very ideological and that that's how you end your fir- your first and only term. Because the idea is if you want to help people, you need to be empowered to help people. You need to stay a little bit longer. You can't make change in one term. Oh, I know. You can't, Especially since terms are two years. Yeah. yeah you can't make ter- ter- you can't make change yeah. in in, a, in that small amount of time when half your time is already spent trying to Catch recampaign. Up. Now, on that position, though, you have to deal with the issue of the dogma of terrorism. You know, anybody familiar with kind of the backwards way of terrorism? It's an old saying. One man's terrorist is another man's freedom fighter. Yeah. I said it earlier. (laughs) Exactly. She said it. So, yeah, the American revolutionaries. Yeah. But here's the thing. In your faction, some of these elements that you could potentially criminalize, other people that you want to vote for, you empathize with them. So now you see what the issue Congress has, and a lot of politicians have with really taking have the history of avoiding taking on domestic terrorism. It's just communication. But the problem is, like most of I, oh, I hate when people are like, oh, you know, there's peaceful protests. We can get change through peaceful means. It's like no. That's not Historically true. speaking, we've gotten our change through violent and aggressive means. Historically Versus. speaking, physically or financially. No, both. Both. If you look at. No, 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 the no, Boston no. Massacre. You said you brought up the Boston Tea Party. I was going to get to this one. The Boston we can talk about the Boston Tea Party. <laughs> but the Boston Massacre, right? Yeah, that one I know as well. Who actually antagonized it? If I remember correctly, it actually wasn't either side. It was some. It was someone who. Don't fact factor me on the complete history. Uh, that's our, our here with the history degree. Probably can remember that someone in the midst of the like arguments, someone threw a rock or something to spark the entire thing. It was an organization known as the Sons of Liberty. Which, if, if Which by the British were considered an insurrectionist group by the English government. If, if an organization were called the Sons of Liberty today, I wonder what side people would think they were. <laughs> oh, <laughs> God! Yeah. So, the Sons of Liberty... Um, so, there were, two, there were primarily two groups, and they actually had some pretty interesting interconnections that the British pretty much classified as insurrectionists and antagonists in the entire lead up to this, um, the revolution, and that was Sons of Liberty, primarily based in Boston. And one of the primary leaders of that group at the time was a man by the name of Samuel Adams. One of America's favorite beers is named after somebody the British would have considered a terrorist. Um, along with, well, his cousin really wasn't, and that was the guy who ended up being one of our future presidents, John Adams. His cousin. Yeah. Hey, I liked Adams. We had a whole discussion. Too. We had a whole discussion uh, the other day why we hated him, and actually, the Boston Massacre was why we were was part of the thing. Yeah, that we, he, he, he was he our first one-term president. 
You should be able to appreciate him to some extent because he was a man of the law in the sense that even he believed in the rule of law enough to get these uh, British soldiers off. See? But then come back and defend the freedoms and principles of liberty that they talked about. He was also very anti-slavery. He's one of the few... I think the most pompous thing about him was probably his obsession with titles for presidents and things like that. And he had this kind of... Ah, uh, so he's... He, he's a character. He is. Him and Jefferson, it's forward, like... Oh, yeah, uh, Jefferson was moving forward. To the Boston Massacre itself. You know, you had antagonism there. It wasn't simply just, oh, kids are throwing rocks at them. No, there's a full-on... Oh no, we're gonna we're gonna make an opportunity of this. Also, know that it was very uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, gas, like, not gaslighted, but like only one person died. If I'm mistaken. No, a couple of people. Because like, I remember the actual like they call it a massacre, but, but there it was, was not uh, a lot of deaths. There was like maybe like you said two or three. Uh, the first casualty was a black black man, man named Crispus. Crispin, Crispus, Crispin. No, we're gonna have to edit this out because I think I'm saying it was something like that. It was three people. Yeah. Oh, no. Boston Massacre, 1770. Uh, yep, Five Christmas deaths, Attics. six en- injuries. Um, yeah. And, you Five. know, that would, that could arguably, trying to incite a violent act like that could be defined as terrorism. I don't, I'm not saying Christmas was part of the uh, people inside him. I can't remember his role specifically, but I remember the Sons of Liberty. Uh, he, he was, he was a, uh, one of the people leading the crowd. He was. Oh, I thought he was a bicep. Man, I brain farted that. No. I know he was involved in the crowd. I can't remember what his role was. But, look at but the point is... Looking at that example compared to the insurrection of... Yeah, this year. And then you look at the early militia groups. Was, Were they not, by definition, even more terroristic? Because they weren't part of the Continental Army. They weren't a part of any reckon- uniform sense of army. Um, well, they like to do ambush tactics. Oh, they were like the preliminary, preliminary version of the police force. Yes and no. It, the militia was, for the sake of the revolution, the militia were pretty much guerrilla fighters. These were guys of, these are farmers. These guys weren't mostly trained. trained, normally regulated soldiers like the Continental Army. But their use of guerrilla tactics honestly made them the most effective military force in our revolution. The Continental Army couldn't do it. The point is, you have this idea of the dogma of terrorism. For instance, these guys to the terror to the English were terrorists, and to those who supported the revolution, they were freedom fighters. But what, like if, we discussed this on an episode a few weeks ago. What I'm sorry. Um, with the women, why we don't have pockets? Because when we were fighting for our rights, we were throwing Molotov cocktails and having spikes in our pockets. That's oh yeah. Because you have to fight and you have to be willing to create chaos to get what you want and that's what's happening like terrorism sometimes leads to fundamental societal change yeah yeah fundamental the, societal change. the plo um there's multiple cases of history where physical violence is required to make change my th- i'll say the ira did have internal debates on the use of car bombs particularly when kids <laughs> got killed yeah no there was a big issue with them but Getting back to the main line, you have this dogma. One person's terrorist is going to be another person's freedom fighter. And you have to kind of... This isn't a political stance. I'm not speaking from this as this an idea. idea. It, it's a people idea, but it's mostly an academic concept that you cannot get around in any argument. You can 
debate the merits of a group or an individual's politics till you're blue in the face. But there's always going to be somebody who says, you know what, I empathize with that person. Um, Timothy McVeigh. One of the things he cited as one of his motivations, apparently, was Waco. He empathized with Waco. And so, he saw it. Our freedoms were being trampled. Let's go blow up a federal building. Not the most logical conclusion, or reasonable conclusion, but I think it's either Michigan. I think it's in Michigan. There's a, uh, a, a militia group called the 51st Militia. In honor of the 55, 51 people who died in Waco. Mm -hmm. I might have had the name wrong, but the concept's there. So, you're saying inspirations, incidents, all that stuff. Freedom fighter, terrorist. How do we d make domestic law? Well, the way I look at it, there's a difference between like the romanticism of being a freedom fighter and the like hard and fast line to draw in the law. And what I'm saying is, as something, or someone who wants to make these kind of changes is if the other side uh, is never going to like me in the first place why not go because you're not thinking about the other side you're thinking about your side I realize that my side can be impacted on it but here's the thing though I can't have a perfect law. There's no way that I can make it so I can demonize one without affecting the all. It wouldn't because pass. The law, it wouldn't pass. Let's be honest here. Yeah, it's, it's you. You could back this, but it won't get passed. And that, if that's the hill you're willing to die on, that's the hill that you're not going to get reelected because of. I don't necessarily think he won't get reelected. Honestly, it could be good metrics depending on you know who your who your constituents are. The issue is. Realistically, though, will it get passed? And at this point, I'm honestly willing to say 50-50. There's a chance something like this could change and pass. There's a chance it might not. It all depends on what happens here in the next couple years. And because the reason I'm like very high on this hill because in policy uh, decision making class I had back in UBC, they said there's four reasons why policies get passed in America. And one of the biggest ones are tragic. Or fatal accidents and incidents. Yeah, never waste a good tragedy. Yeah. Political standpoint. Like, yeah. That's why it happened with the TSA and the uh, FAA. Like, all the plane crashings, engine failures. Like, that boosted legislation and pressure to regulate the airline industry because of all those things that happened. I think it was, like, less than three-month time period. That thing ran through Congress like butter. Yeah, but, but here's the thing about your comparison here. It's not politically charging. You're talking about okay, a regulation in airlines versus voters, left, right, on, on the spectrum. It's kind of, like I said, it's more of a, both parties silently agree we're not going to, we're not going to press that button because we could be using it against each other. That's why I, when I opened it up with this part, it was Trump opening a can of worms by calling Antifa and BLM terrorist organizations. It, it's like the Pandora's box kind of thing. Yeah. And I'm willing to open that box because I know I don't that, that box the world itself as is hasn't done anything. For over 100 years of dealing with personal domestic terrorists and nothing has changed. Well, in that case, I'll put it to you this way. Let's say we go back 30 years and we had a law like that. Okay, so now we're in 1990s. Yeah, 90s. No. <laughs> you did the thing. 50 years. You did oh, the thing. Oh, shot him 34. Leave me alone. You did the so thing. We go back to like, <laughs> like 70s. 70s. Late 70s, right? Let's say this was a terrorism law like this. Okay. 
There goes well, Malcolm X. There goes no well, Malcolm X is already gone by this point. Oh wait, but, you said yeah, but uh, Black said Panther's going. Where the Black Panther's going? Yeah. Where you said don't even worry about the Milford Act. The Black Panthers are gone. Yeah. They would the armed patrols, pretty much intimidating police and policy, showing up to Sacramento armed, and protesting the Milford Act. <laughs> Terrorism right there. That's intimidation. <laughs> you, you did you did say 1970s, but when you said 50s, I did the same thing you did with 30. Uh, <laughs> I, went, right. I went too far back. But you've seen, uh, shut them down, Black Panthers, all terrorists. Yeah. We don't even need to get into, um... Oh, there goes the hippies. Yeah. Not my hippies. Some of them, anyway. So, uh, we still be in Vietnam until this day, like... Oh, no, no, we're not going to Vietnam <laughs> I, right I now. mean, I don't believe in hindsight legislation. <laughs> but It's no, not no. a point of hindsight, it's a point of... Here's a here's a here's an actual instance where you might see this, and that's that law working. Yeah, this is uh, unintended consequences of a law in a realistic e- e- setting. Because this is a historical event, you know, the armed protest outside of Sac- uh, outside the California State Building, the Mulford Act actually happened. Guess what? They are all arrested as terrorists. They're classified as a terrorist organization. From then on for, And they tried to actually classify him for that for a couple of the uh, supposed bombings. I know one of them was actually uh, Tupac's mom. Oh, what's her name? She was one of the ones arrested, I think, was in New York for um, the alleged bombing or something. I don't know why you're looking at me like I would know this. Uh, you are the Fina Shakur. Yeah. I knew her name. She was a... She, uh, I knew the last name because it's Tupac Shakur. She was... Um, she was she was involved with the Black Panthers, and I think she was one, yeah she was one of the ones who got arrested for the supposed bombing. Mm-hmm. It was all set up, but hey, all right, they're domestically they're classified as terrorists. They're now uh, and then we're, we're going back to the Patriot Act. They're now recognized as com- uh, uh, enemy combatants. We're gonna send them to Gitmo. And then there we no longer have Tupac, which means we don't have Biggie. Do you really want to destroy all of rap? Now, on a more serious <laughs> note, I understand that there's potential to basically retroactively change a lot of history with that, but my thinking going forward is I can recognize that this law would have hampered major progress in the past, but I can't look at that now. I gotta look at going forward. But What's the best way going the, forward? But it's not the issue of progress. What I'm saying is, is if I'm saying anything... And so I want you to understand. This isn't me. This isn't an argument. You're this thinking. is simply. You gotta understand the implications of all of this. I'm not saying you're right or wrong. You're saying that factoring the cascading effects of that kind of law. Yes, you're holding a position, which is fine. I understand your position, but I'm trying to get you to see the broader picture of a law like this and why it doesn't exist. Because at the end of the day, it's the gamemanship of. I still need these people to vote for me. I still need these people to vote for me. Left, right, it's going to come down. And a lot of that comes to the issues like the rise of white, the right-wing uh, movement in the U.S. And you have the Overton window shifting because of these policies, because of these politics. And this is how we've ended up with groups like the Proud Boys. We've ended up with stuff like this. You look at the Southern Strategy. You look at all of this... The radicalizational, the radicalization of the evangelicals, the political radicalization, I should say. You know, abortion, 1970s. Uh, apparently, evangelicals all, all of a sudden now believe uh, life, life starts at uh, uh, conception, because which was only originally held by Catholics. That belief was originally just held by Catholics. I think it was up in the religion episode how it's, they were like 
It's because their numbers were dwindling, I think. Yeah, and because at the time, Carter won a lot of evangelicals in his election. How best way to strip that? Reagan. So that's how we get to that and keep moving forward. It's a compounding history of uh, historical revisionism. Uh-huh. Christianity in the U.S., all this other stuff, and now we get the conspiracy thrown in and all the extra bullshit. And they pulled the Overton window, Overton window over to the right. Um, that's pretty much how we got here because now everybody wants to put everything, all this, all the, it's too many people saying like, oh, it's all Trump, it's all Trump, it's all Trump. It's not. It's been people did the way before Trump. a well wave of history of things happening and strategy and all this other stuff that has led to Trump in these moments. Trump is just a symptom of the problem. He's 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 a catalyst for a new wave of illness. I, I think uh, we, we had um, some symbolism for it uh, when we were talking before. Uh, I, I said that Trump uh, lit the match and you said no. Someone else lit the match before and they just handed it to him. Yeah. Like a torch actually. He just threw yeah. it. He, yeah. The match has been lit. The gas was already set and We've gotten to this point where, you know, we talked the lost episode. There's a lot of things that we... So, for listeners, I was on... We previously recorded another episode regarding political strategy. Um, it is a lost episode. The file got corrupted, and this is now my official first episode. But we had this long diatribe of how we came to these things and where we got to Trump. Um... Like I said before, we had the Southern strategy, we had all this other stuff, Reaganism, Reaganomics, and this whole slew of historical revisionism over who our founding fathers fundamentally were, and all this other crap about us and the identity of a Christian nation and all these things, leading to this kind of point. And Americans have become so politically dissatisfied with the establishment that they elected this absolute nut job absolute nut job to be president because they were sick of the establishment. I I didn't like Hillary. I couldn't stand Hillary. No, she sucked. Well, yeah, we, no, okay, Hillary. we all settled for Hillary. Yeah, just like we Lips settled like for Hillary. Biden. Lips Many like of us her. settled for... I was like, oh, God damn. Yeah, I was... Like a whatever, 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 whatever. There was more hype about Hillary than Biden, I think. Well, because yeah, but at the end of the day, you know, like okay, we didn't have the four years of insanity to vote for Hillary. <laughs> it's like likability, really, comes down to it. Yeah, the insanity of Trump. Look, the point is, we didn't have all that with Hillary. So, moving on, um, it wasn't just Trump. We had this history. The populism, the insanity, okay. How do we get to that, to the insurrection? What, what was Trump's biggest selling point of his Lord entire... Of build the wall. Well, that's one of his... Make poss- America great again. Okay. He, he just loves he loves his three-word sentences. I think, he, I think he said it before. The swamp or voter fraud. There. Drain the it's, swamp! The, the, the fake... <laughs> if they don't like me, it's fake news. If they say I lost, they're lying. I uh, won. I couldn't win any other way. Let, let us know who has the best Donald Trump impression in the comments. I'm telling you, this is Josh. This is my Trump impression. The best. I'm not sure. No, you're wrong. 
Um, wrong, excuse me. Wrong, wrong. This is Hunter, and obviously I have the best Donald Trump. Yeah, it's Hunter Biden, so you know it's wrong. No, but um, I'm black, not gonna cry. <laughs> um, you have the insanity, you have this craziness, and then the fake news, the voter fraud. Fake news. <laughs> if I lose, it was because they cheated. The entire time before the election, he everything... Was setting up for this. He knew the writing on the wall. Yeah, he set it up going back to 2016. We'll three million... No, three million votes. He won by a landslide. I won by a landslide. Those three million votes were all fraudulent. I had to have won. It's fake. I didn't lose a popular vote. They're lying. But I'm here. But I can tell you right now, if it happens in the future, they cheated. You think and he set it up for four years... Straight anytime it came to talking about election 2020. We'll say that was a kickback with during the midterms 2018 with the big like blue wave, but exactly. The th- and the thing is, like, the people that I don't, I don't understand is like, if we were really gonna rig the election, why is McConnell still there? That's my I thing. know, right? Like, there's McConnell, a lot of Graham, Cruz, there's so many I would get her in a heartbeat if I could rig it. The irony Lindsay is, Graham, if you're yes. talking about. Election security, look, the whole new wave of voter ID laws are trying to do again, all this other stuff, what does it have to do with protecting the integrity of the system? And nothing. It has nothing to do with any uh, validating mail-in ballots. It has nothing to do with it. Danny, you're holding it in like a wet fart. Say it. <laughs> you know what it is. They are trying to, to lower minority votes because minorities vote blue. At the end of the day, because they're getting rid of uh, polling places in lower-income areas, they are just because it's harder for people of lower incomes to get IDs. It's harder for. I think it also because we live in a state. Look, look. If I want to register to vote, right? I have to go to the MBA. Uh huh. I have to get my citizenship validated. Okay. I have to do all this stuff. We live in a state that gives licenses to people who are undocumented. We do, but if you look at them. Pull out your ID if you have it. Pull out your ID. You'll see this little black star. If right. you've gotten one of the new real IDs. I got the old ID. Yeah, an old one. I, I, I have one of the new ones, but I, I've seen the star. I think yeah, I if you have that, it means you're clear for... This is good for federal identification purposes. Part of the Real ID Act. Yes. If I go in and I can't validate my citizenship at the NBA, I can't register to vote. If I can't register to vote, how do I get in there? I have to be on the voter rolls. Or do I steal somebody's identity? Well, guess what? When that happens, and the real person shows up to vote, well, sir, we already have you in the system that you voted. Well, this is me, and I'm saying I didn't vote. It's not hard to disprove. That's why if you look historically, voter fraud claims are so minuscule, there's no way they could affect any... Like, you might have, in the past 20 years, I think it was like, not even a hundred cases. And the cases people that people prosecuted, and guess what? They were all white people. They were they all were white people. people. And the people like for the last election that there was so much voter fraud. It was all for Trump. Yeah. And the fact that like everyone's like, oh, you can't vote by mail. I was like, okay, then you don't get social security in your mail anymore. You no longer get your ID in the mail anymore. You don't get all the. You don't get medicine in the mail anymore. That's it. If it's not safe what? to vote, what? it's not safe what? to. I've had absentee voting for forever. a long time. Since yeah. Oregon. Civil War. Is it Oregon, right? Or Washington State? One of them. Well, Alaska does it too. Right. Just send them all out. Just send ballots out to everybody and vote like that. Doesn't matter. Yeah, because and it works. You get you get such more real numbers. 
and who oh and you get a higher you get a higher return because a lot of people don't want to go out and it takes forever to vote or work i was listening to news the other day they're recruiting uh he's a uh i think it's a republican member of congress i can't remember they're saying you know well these are people we wouldn't want to vote anyway normally because you know, they're not really involved or educated in it. This guy's a Republican. It's like, you guys complain about elitism. That's the most elitist thing I've ever heard coming out of your mouth. What? It's not the point. They have a right to vote. We, we right. all have the same number of votes. We all have the same... Well, hmm. My biggest question, Gord, people who try to argue these cases is like, I want you to show me, like, the trail. And they'll be like, what do you mean? I mean, like... The level of steps it would take to orchestrate the level of voter fraud just for the state level. The, not a federal level. The state. The worst part about it was they went to court. It, it was a Judge Diamond. Yeah. He's sitting there. It was, it was a case about, I think, the um, the electioneers for Republicans in, in the voting place in Philadelphia. And he's sitting there asking... Um, he's sitting there asking one of Trump's attorneys... Um, you know, how many people, were there anybody from the Trump campaign or the Republican Party in the room? And the lawyer responded, there was a non-zero number of people in the room. The judge responded, as a member of the bar of this court, were there people in the room for the Trump campaign or Republican Party? Basically, when he said, as a member of the bar of this court, he was basically, please saying lie to me because I'm going to throw your ass out of court. I'm going to have you charged. I'm going to have you contempt and disbarred. They weren't arguing when they went to court these court cases about massive voter fraud. They were arguing about these little dot incidents and little things like that. That's why all these cases kept going and throwing out because they didn't have the evidence. Mm hmm. And, but it didn't matter to his supporters. It didn't matter to them. But there, there's a level... Because it comes down to the biggest issue in politics we have today. Optics. Coldability. <laughs> but I voted for so-and-so. If so-and-so is wrong, that means I'm wrong. I can't be wrong. So pride. Yes. Well... We should. What we need to start doing is stop treating our elective officials like baseball stars and actors. Where we hold them. No, up no, it's worse. For some of these people, we. Uh, I'm sorry. There are a lot of Trump supporters who practically deified him. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. We need to stop doing that. Like yeah. they are people we have elected. They are. We are their bosses. We There's need to start. Not acting. Many of them, but I know. I've seen some people, pro-Biden people, who deified the hell out of him. Wait, really? The great savior who's going to get rid of Trump. Oh, God. There are people oh, like that? God. Liberals. It's like a reverse kind of stock. Neo-global liberals. Yes. Then wait, wait, wait. wait. I thought we all just, like, collectively understood that no, no one... No, no, Go back to Hillary. How many women voters sat there and deified her? Because she'd be the best woman. I'm with her. I heard a lot of women actually saying against her for some reason. I'm not saying... I'll Oh, well, do you want some reason? Not all women. Yeah. But there were a lot of there were a lot of women voters and even some male voters who deified her because she was going to be the first female president. Yes, they did the same thing to Obama. They did it to Reagan. I I do remember the Obama thing, but like with the with the Hillary thing, I I felt like really conflicted. Listen, if you uh, the painting inside the Capitol in the rotunda of Washington, mm -hmm. I think it's it's called the deification of Washington. Basically making him a god. 
Well, I would say that comes down to what I what I think is a big like underlying tone is the level of culpability we give to the voters in terms of. Uh, oh, we are absolutely responsible. At the end of the day, I'm saying we as people or we as constituents. Yes. Yes, it's 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 a it's a feeding system. It's a loop. Everybody in the loop is responsible. The politicians lie to us. We buy it. We promote it. We vote for them. We vote for them. We rotate. Vote for them. Promote. Promote. Prom- and it just goes in a giant fucking circle. Which is why, and it's one of the reasons why we've ended up in some of the polarity we have. But it's also the political strategy that's at hand. We keep vo- revoting people in because we want them to fix their mistakes. No, stop it. Like doing the same thing over and over again is the definition of insanity. We need to stop. Like if they're not doing what we asked them to do the first time, like yeah, vote I get them. Get them out. Get but give them a Trump. That was the conclusion with Trump. I mean, because it was, look, even Trump said it, and I'm going to bring it up, because this is something I think Trump was right about. You could just like a man. If Bernie, if Bernie, if Bernie had been his contender, not Hillary, he lost. Why? Like What was that word I was saying I feel dirty about using now? Oh. Populism. Bernie is a populist candidate, one way or another. Bernie would have won. Bernie would have won. won. Even Trump has said that. Even Trump has said that. And that's because people wanted different. They didn't want the establishment. And that's, and that's why the Tea Trump Party. Won. The reason why the Tea Party came into cons- pulling the conservatism while promoting this grassroots movement, this Tea Party movement. Who are the Koch brothers? I'm sorry, what? Promoting this grassroots movement to upset the establishment and the Republican Party. But you can see Russia from your house. I can see Russia from my house. And it was a joke, and I get it was a joke, and I will always take it as a joke, but sometimes you just have to say it again to remind people. I can't sit there and take that seriously if that's your foreign policy, because you can't see, she couldn't see. But my thinking, though, is like, at some point in time... The cycle's gotta break? Not the cycle's gotta break, the cycle should naturally break, because at a certain point in time, a level of intelligence rises to, like... I keep hitting my head on the wall. Maybe I should like stop running into it. The biggest barrier that was burning. That, the biggest well, the biggest barrier to that breaking is um well the duop- no the duopoly. Well, yes, the education. The, the RNC, duopoly. the DNC. At the end of the day, they are gonna push who they want to push forward and really ram it down when our throats. Whether you, when's the last time you saw an independent or third party in a major presidential debate? Early nineties. Who was it? Nader. Yep. Ralph Nader. Before that. No idea. Yeah, my knowledge doesn't go before back that, that far. Before that, yeah. before that, when have you ever had a third party independent president? Never. One, two, actually two, because I count him as one technically because he didn't like parties, and that was Washington. The next oh, okay. one would be Teddy Roosevelt, kind of as full moose. Yeah, left his party, made a new one, yeah. lost, lost re-election. But he still referred to himself as one. The point being is, we don't really have that. Break the duopoly. Um, but as we're getting back to the build-up, the rhetoric, all this shit. The underbelly. We get to the election, and immediately... It's a fraud! It's a fraud! And he was winning in the first couple hours. Yeah, but we knew, we all knew the metrics. Mm -hmm. Everybody was saying it for days. These are the votes that are going to get counted first. This state's doing it this way, this state's doing it this way... This state's counting in mail-in ballots as they come in. This state's counting the uh, in-person ballots first, then the absentees, and blah, blah, blah. Didn't matter. This state doesn't make sense. He was winning before. We 
you'd been told all these states had different rules because the Constitution primarily leaves how elections are run by the states. Ten minutes. No, it's in the Articles. I thought it was the Reserve Powers. No, it's in the Articles. Tenth Amendment is not in the Articles. Um, and then we get to the day in the election. That happens. Move on. Okay. Fraud, fraud, fraud. Next few months completely ignores the pandemic we're still in. The pandemic January we're still, still in. Yeah, January 6th. We're, we're on the day. We finally made it. So we get there, right? This rhetoric, this build-up, he has a stupid fucking speech, right? We have, we have until December this day, and then December another day, and then each and every... like they, yeah, He kept pushing it was back... Like three different days. Yeah, he kept pushing back the goalpost. And like at that point, like just admit you've lost if you have to push it back every time. And then January 6th. And the night before, shit already started happening. I was like, oh, shit. Look at that. You're fucking there fighting police. Oh, that them blue line shit really didn't matter to them, right? <laughs> They're sitting out here fucking fighting uh, bike police. The absolute hypocrisy right But, there. you know, it's and okay. This is, this is the night before. Yeah, it's okay because they're what? Because they're white. Yeah, it's, right? it, it's okay because the, the cops well, never pulled. Republicans. The, the, guns never, the guns were never pulled. Yeah. So, you know, they... they, they didn't fear for their life? They did not fear for life. They they used, you know... Reasonable a, force. Yeah, reasonable force is what I was going for. There's no... <clears throat> it's okay. So, you have this rhetoric build up. Night before, all these people are showing up. And I mean, tic- there were videos all over TikTok. I've seen them on YouTube. The TikTok ones are funny because I'm like, man, it's only a minute before you guys get shut down. <laughs> and then um, we get to the day of and he has a stupid speech. And it's like Mo Brooks and Giuliani had absolutely no reserve. What, what was the quote? We're going to have trial by combat. What? I did not hear that sound, but... What? You didn't hear that? No. Oh, they repeated that repeatedly. Giuliani said, we're going to have trial by combat. What, Trump fights about? Oh, I'd love to see that. Oh, no, Giuliani. Giuliani's getting... Oh, there's like three different... Giuliani has like five different lawsuits against him, and a co- one of them I think is for his role in it, in inciting it. The other lawsuits are from Dominion Voting Machine, and um, there's a couple other ones suing him for uh, defamation. Yeah, because he's just and a he's despicable like, he's a, human being. Yeah, uh, him and um, who's the My Pillow guy? They're suing him too. Right. Billion dollar. These are what? billion dollar lawsuits too. They're suing him too for defamation. Okay. They're both like, fine, yeah, we want to have a trial. Let's see what happens in the discovery phase. Which is the discovery phase. Or the discovery phase of the trial. Where everybody gets to go through everybody's shit and find out what information's here. Dominion's like, here, you can have our laptop. They don't care. But, you know, he's getting, he's getting railed. But trial by combat. I'm oh, sorry, no, it was Giuliani who said that. Trial by combat. Mo Brooks, he's doing the same thing. Um, and it's funny because Oliver Stone was there too. Now we're tying in groups. Trump had a speech, right? What was the timeline? Like, they were already going over there like halfway through his speech. I got a link for this. Yeah. But Oliver Stone is there. Now Oliver Stone shows up the night before with private security. His private security was the Oath Keepers. I think I heard about that one. Yeah. And they had VIP passes to the Trump rally. 
But a lot of them were already caught ahead leaving to go to the capital. So we have the incitement. He said fighting 20 times in the speech. Trump was brilliant with his speech, though. I'm going to give him credit. Because he never directly incited... And this is where the legal issues are going to come up in the trial. Because I can already tell you what the defense's argument is going to be. He never directly incited or told them specifically to do certain things in his entire speech. If I'm the prosecutor, I'm going to argue fighting words and things like that. But he never specifically said, go to the Capitol and, you know, get them. Get them. You know what I mean? Get them. You know Use who. Force. You know who. Fight them. You know, put your zip tie cuffs on them. They're going to make the whole thing where he didn't say anything specific and things like that. And it's going to end up falling on, like, Mo Brooks and fucking Giuliani. Or they're going to end up trying to argue that. I'm sorry. No, you knew what you were doing. Because you had your goons there, too. Because half these groups were already leaving. Um, so about halfway through his speech, we already had people breaking off going to the Capitol. Um, now, terrorism charges. Right? Let's say we have the terrorism charges. Mm-hmm. How do we... You know, who is there just rioting versus who is there actually... Looking to do specific things. What, the real answer to that? No. The NSA. Well, how do you think we got all these pretty pictures? It wasn't the FBI. They don't have the technology. There, we, we know good <laughs> the and, metadata. We know good and well, thanks to good old Snowden from back a couple years ago, that there's easily ways of tracking all the data of people who are traveling anywhere close to a federal building. Okay. Um, just, I know it's a little off topic, but like, we didn't need Snowden for that. I know we didn't need Snowden for that. I'm talking about that's America, though. You have to be highlighted. You gotta like have it thrown in your face to accept the truth uh, that well, we all know. The Patriot Act. Oh, I'll, I'll do you one better. I'll go before that. Five Eyes. Look, Google Five Eyes Echelon Program. This has started way back with before Patriot Act, early '90s. It was a joint sharing intelligence and monitoring program um, under five eyes include the United States, Canada, Great Britain, New Zealand, and Australia. Mm-hmm. And the Echelon program was part of that thing where basically I'm not listening in on my own people. Australia is listening into my people for me and they give me the information to go through it. That way I'm not technically committing surveillance on my people. Mm-hmm. But they were already doing it. Prism is just, yeah, screw the middleman. Because it was, um, I think it was either New Zealand or, yeah, I think it was New Zealand. They publicly came out a couple decades ago saying, yeah, we're involved in this program with, uh, you know, United States, England, Canada, and Australia. And we're, uh, yeah, we're spying on each other. And everyone, shut the fuck up. Shut up. I swear to God, we'll come down there and kick your ass. Australia, you got them. You need to choke them out. Oh, oh, no, it was a big deal. So what and it was in the public sphere for all the five minutes, and then we forgot, because, you know, Americans have short fucking memories. But the point being is that it's not hard to find out exactly who Oh, no, no, no. The metadata, the metadata is all there. It's not hard to get through. You know, we're literally... We don't even have to record this podcast. We could just have this conversation. I'm pretty sure if somebody wanted to hear it, they could listen through our phones. It's not that hard. Through your phones, through the Alexa, through your laptop, exactly. through... Um... You know, I've seen tech guys hack these things like that. Yeah. What does it stop the government? Through your watch. Oh, yeah. You traitor. 
Yeah, anyway, like, the point being is that it, it would the level of roundup. No, that that's take. that's identifying the people. The issue is now, how do we charge them? How do we classify? Okay, these guys are just rioters breaking into the building, being goofy, versus organized intent. I can use the episode of the whole Air Fifty One raid meme as if you remember leading up to it. People were talking about the ramifications of bringing on a federal U.S. US base. Mm -hmm. You are not allowed to go there. If you are going there, you are breaking the law. If there is a sign posted, any obligation, ignorance for the law is not an excuse. So, yeah, knowing, that's knowing, not terrorism. Well, hold on. Knowing willingly that you are invading... No, a, no, that, that we're clear on. Yeah. But, that, but that's not terrorism. That's just trespassing. Well, we defined terrorism earlier in the episode as... The intimidation or uses of violence for political means. Yeah, but if I'm walking onto a military base I'm not supposed to, is that violent? No. Okay. But they weren't walking. Yeah, they they were, were storming. They were... It, they Were Were they going there with guns to commit violence against military personnel? In Area 51 or for the insurrection? Area 51. Not Area 51. Yeah. There were so, no guns involved. Now you got to make the argument and prove in court, you went there to violently hurt people. No, it wasn't. I was just there walking around. You had zip ties. You were there to hurt people. There you go. There's your culpability. You had guns. You had zip ties. You had weapons that could be used. Well, to that's the thing. Weapons, yes. Guns. What about armor? Like some of them have some self-made like. Armor is a defensive measure. Yeah. It's not a weapon. Because if you know, unless they take that plate out, that armor plate, and just start bashing you in the head. It's the same reason that they yeah. didn't get arrested at the protests because having a shield to protect against ru uh, rubber bullets and um, spray is not. Inherently bad. You're protecting yourself. Okay, but so there's a there's a difference. If I start using that. that shield to bash you in the head, it turns into a yes. Okay, so I understand that. So with that in mind, using events that are very similarly tied, sort of timelines, less than six months, I believe. Could not one argue that the intent is very visible? The demonstration of the people who were involved is clear and videotaped. Why not use that in said, I guess, legal argument? No, you're right. But how do you call them terrorists? There's no law. And that's what we're getting to. The point is, you, you talk about responsibility. You, talk you about will set a precedent. You can't, because there's no law. We're codified law. But you realize that the courts have done it for generations that they can super But we're codified law. Supreme Court can't define law. It's against the code. It's against the Constitution. They can't define law, but they but when they do make a judgment that can be interpreted potentially into a law, they've been allowed to do that before. Yes, but it's on the basis of a pre-existing law. There is none for this one. This is basically... Basically, you're talking about legislating from the bench. Yeah, well, yes. Uh, it's I mean, basically, that's what we've been gen doing yeah, for a generally long time when anyway. they, Yeah, but generally when they legislate from a bench, they're usually setting a precedent of... This is how you must act in this case. And usually, like, a lot of how police are technically supposed to operate based on Supreme Court law could be argued as legislating from the bench. But when you're talking about defining a citizen as a criminal, that's all codified. Um, and again, the only thing in our laws regarding domestic terrorism is a definition. I mean, it doesn't um, have a set of charges. So, as far as, like... Dividing the groups up between who's just showing up to have a good time and who's showing up with intent. I'd say maybe the guy that brought the uh, um, zip cuffs. Yeah, zip cuffs, zip ties for cuffs. Um, 
and anyone who brought every guns woman's or fear. Or yeah. Or the ones shouting, look for her. Or the ones who got. Here's where we're getting into the evidence, right? The ones who went on to the tours the day before. The ones who got the text messages about where these people were. Including the one about, uh, ooh, I mean, that's even, that's a scrapbook. Look up this one. Uh, I thought I had it. Uh, Actually, that's, uh, at that point, the people who took the tours beforehand, that's preemptive. Premeditated, yes. Yeah. And conspiracy as well. During the insurrection, one of the keepers receiving text messages about locations and direct, uh, direct directions to where members of Congress were hiding or escaping was told to turn on gas and seal them in. Yeah, that's so that's, that's some mass yes, murder stuff. Right? Yeah. Yep. And yep. now is I don't know if, I don't know if gas and like chemicals like a Geneva Convention can things. There are American laws based around using chemical weapons on domestic grounds. No. No, no, go. Not really. No, because if there were, tear we, we would have. Tear gas would be out. Uh, no, a number of smoke bombs would be out because they use white phosphorus. Things um, we wouldn't do overseas no, are done to our use... American citizens. Oh, yeah. ah. Okay. Like technically, Hollow Point ammunition is banned in warfare. Yeah. Yeah. But police use it all the time, and it makes sense because it honestly reduces um, through and through. Basically, if I shoot somebody with a Hollow Point, the idea is that the bullet stays in them won't go through them, causing potential damage. But it also does more internal damage because when it mushrooms out, yeah. it basically... It's basically more yeah, stopping it's power. Yeah. It's more but the point stuff. is, you know, you, two different kinds of sets of rules here on this. And you can bring it up, but again, you know, they were using... Apparently, some of the rioters had tear gas or something. That was one of, one of the things that went off. Somebody brought homemade tear gas or something. Um, but then you look at the police response. And this gets complicated. There was an FBI memo warning Capitol Police and other agencies in the area of the online chatter that was going on about all of this as well. And now they're doing calling for this 9-11 style investigation. Mm -hmm. Which, I don't know how it's 9-11 style. I mean... Both for inside jobs? Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Here we go. No, but, um... I heard a lot of Trump supporters saying, well, if Pelosi's gonna. Pelosi doesn't really want all that. She's gonna get caught up. She's the one calling for it. What are you talking about? She's the one advocating for it. Because I, assuming that Pelosi knew all this, I don't because, get the hate on like I, I get the I get the hate on Pelosi, but I don't get the, the face. Like, I don't get the, the face. I never got that. I don't want to say it's it. not that she's doing the wrong specifically with her. It's that she's the face. Of yeah, the there's a lot wrong party. specifically with her. But Actually, that's just, yeah, there's a lot. Of yeah, wrong. you know, but, like you talk about the people who've been in Congress too long. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. I have there. I have problems with her, but I'm saying like it's always Pelosi. This I'm like you know there are better people to talk about, but you know whatever. But um, so they're calling for this, and I just want to say this. I want to bring this guy up. Because, I don't know, if, if I was, I don't know, if I was one of those co police officers, I'd probably have been like, you know what? Um, at this point, I think I'm going to start shooting, because that was way too much. But I want to bring up my man, Eugene Goodman. That dude was smart. I think when you talk about the police response there, Eugene Goodman was a strategic mind and leading them away. He's like, well, if they follow me, they're going to think I'm trying to backstop the protection on coverage where the people are, but instead, I'm going the exact opposite direction than when the people are and the politicians are, so... Yeah, so, Eugene, smart guy, smart cookie, deserves his promotion. I just want to bring him up. The overall police response um, and the preparation going up to that, 
that FBI memo. Apparently nobody got it. Oh yeah, had a Capitol Police. I never seen no memo. Um, I think it was sent also to the Sergeant Arms Office for both. Uh, they they House do and uh, Senate. They and do they know that they can like track that, I mean, right? Think back. I did find the actual like U.S. code that would lead rebellion to, and insurrection. Yes, which says so under Title Eighteen. Yeah, whoever incites, sets foot, assists, or engages in any rebellion or insurrection against the authority of the United States or the laws, therefore, or give aid to conform. No, we're not arguing that, but call them terrorists. Where does it say I can call them terrorists? For as far as calling them terrorists, that's not what we're just debating. And that's what I was talking about. How do you call them terrorists? You don't have to call them terrorists to get to, to bring uh, the law. I know against that's them. not what I'm saying. You could bring the law against them. How do you classify it as terrorism? How do you classify it as terrorists? What do you call? What do you call someone oh, who does treason? Matt, 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 Matt. We're just there jumping through different word games here. No, it's not because terrorism as a law implies very specific things. Basically, I go to make, I go to a fast food joint, right? Okay. I want fries. There's your crime, your initial crime. But I want cheese on those fries. Okay. Well, that crime's now been elevated to terrorism because of specific directive implications. Terrorism's like an upcharge because it's adding on to, I murder you to murder you for like, I take your wallet, right? Okay. That's just murder. Just straight secondary murder. I murder you because you're a political figure. First degree murder. No. I murder you for political reasons. That's terrorism. Yes. That's the upcharge. And you're saying that's the classification charge. And you're saying because there's no hard, fast law. One the Supreme can't. Yeah, the Supreme Court can't argue it. But they, it's not a matter of coded law. But they don't have to argue it. It's the job of the Attorney General, I believe, to. Prove no, because there's no code. Congress has to make one. We were saying this earlier. Congress hasn't made that law. There's no wheelhouse around it. Trust me. I'm telling you, they're better people, one. more educated people than me on this subject have tried. You can't just sit there. It's it's one of the reasons why I say why is Dylan Roof not a terrorist, but Omar Mateen is, because in international terrorism actually has those upcharges. But that's for the like you said, like the international perspective, not the domestic level. Exactly, because domestic's the only one that has it. Dom or sorry, international's the only one that has it. Domestic does not. You're all, you're on. U.S. Code 18. Mm -hmm. Go find terrorism. You're going to see what I'm talking about. So, here here's a food for thought question. Does having the term terrorism even help us out anymore? From a political it, standpoint, yes. From a legal standpoint, I mean, outside of... Is it just too broad to mean anything? I think it just comes from the fact that... Uh, the law is so hard fast and what is in the black and white that common sense can't win out sometimes. Because you call a spade a spade. Like, I can call a murderer a murderer. I can call that murderer a terrorist based on what I see or know. But no, you can't do that. Why you not? can't call a murderer a murderer. Well, I can't call a murderer a murderer. Okay. I kill Hunter right now. Okay, He's dead. Damn it. That makes you a murderer. Okay. Hunter attacks me. I kill Hunter. Okay. That's self-defense. I'm still a murderer, though. No, you're not. You're not. But that's what I'm you're saying. You're a killer. I'm yeah. killer. But the thing is, you can't just call a murderer a murderer. Because even in the cases where they do, let's say, in because, okay, let's say I'm attacking Hunter. Okay. As we've discussed this before with Rodney. Hunter defends himself against me and kills me. 
he still goes to jail for murder because there are other ways he could have done it where it wouldn't it would have been better for me to kill to kill him because i'm a woman it feels more of a defense mechanism for him to do it we talked about this with rodney and how maryland laws are Oh yes, no! That's, let me start that's more, that. But yeah, but you're, you're talking about. But that's what I'm saying. He's still a murderer in the eyes of the law. He's but a killer. He's no, no. He goes away to to, to prison Under for law, murder because he has been found guilty of the crime of he, in this case probably be second degree murder. Yeah. He's a murderer. He's a murderer, but he's not. It was a self defense thing, but he's still a murderer. So you can't just call a murderer a murderer. Is my point. There are so much nuance to it. There is going, but I'm saying even going back to when Trump called Antifa and BLM terrorists, he was opening up a political can of worms. See, you got to kill me in that. That he couldn't. That once it was open, it was like, oh shit, here we go with this debate again because Congress is already like, fuck, why did he say that? We're just not going to play into this. Come on. A lot of Republicans, when they were asked the question, "Do you think that so and so is a terrorist organization?" Long while like. Playing, trying to find some way wheelhouse to play it off while at the same time not losing support from Trump supporters. Because it's like, you don't, you don't do that question domestically. You don't play that game domestically. But you go back to responsibility. Organized intent. Okay, the insurrection happened. Look. I don't care what anybody says. What happened, happened. There's still people here trying to say Antifa did it. I'm sitting here laughing because you have other Republicans saying, don't don't credit Antifa for what we did. Yeah, we stood up for our man, Trump. They're accepting culpability at that point. Yeah, they're proud of what they did. They're yeah. proud of it. Like, I was they're showing not proud you guys. The FBI comes knocking, but they're like, proud any other time. Yeah, I was like, show Or when they lose their jobs. Like, I was showing yeah. you before we started the QAnon Shaman's Mall, I'm talking on that interview of 60 Minutes. Well, because you know it was fraudulent. I think he was right. You know, he has nothing wrong with that. He's where he is. Jail. <laughs> yes, jail. <laughs> because he committed numerous felonies. Either way, these people are getting charged with crimes. And the problem with putting the terrorism label on them legally, it doesn't exist for them. Unless the law changes. Again, earlier in our conversation, it wasn't a matter of all of that. Right? Mm-hmm. It just doesn't exist. That's the problem. But they're still culpable. They're still guilty. They committed crimes. They need to go to jail. Period. End of discussion. Open the bottle. We've had a good night. Um, the aftermath is where the bigger problems start. They did it. They need to be held responsible. But the people who have allowed this to happen need to be held responsible too. You're talking about McConnell's flip-flopping. Well, uh... Trump is completely responsible for this in terms of inciting and gathering these people here. Well, would you uh, would you support Trump if he won the uh, Republican candidacy in 2024? Absolutely. Like, seriously? Don't want to lose his supporters. So we get to the impeachment, right? Now we're at the impeachment, the second impeachment. Trial. Didn't already, like, lose out? Oh, when Durant when, 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 uh, it, I remember it went through the House of Horrors, but then the Senate got stonewalled again. So what happened was, was essentially within, what was it, a week? Yeah. The House voted for the impeachment, mm-hmm. sent over the articles, and McConnell was like, um, um, yeah, we're going to wait till after the uh, 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 after inauguration now. As soon as he said that, my immediate thought was, I already know where he's going with this. 
They're going to take it, they're going to put it in trial, they're going to do it, and they're going to deliberate whether or not it's constitutional because of one word in the Constitution. Which would be? Standing president. Standing is the one word. I mean, he was standing when those were written. He was standing president when he said all that shit. Say president when it happened. So... Well, it's unconstitutional. Not president now anymore. Let the courts decide. He's, he's no longer. That's like his go-to. Let us pack courts oh, decide everything. That's the Republicans' go-to. It's either no, or let the courts decide. You know, taking you know whatever blame off of them. Like, ask yourself in the last twenty years, how many meaningful legislation has. Republicans in Congress passed to support cuts. their own stuff. Just tax cuts. That's all they do. We support the Second Amendment. Where's the laws helping protect Second Amendment rights? Oh. We think abortion's evil. Where's the laws yeah, it's, to eliminate abortion? There's been, a fun Planned Parenthood. They, yeah. They've had plenty of chances to make abortion illegal. Um, the only reason they don't is so that they can continue having it as a dog whistle every time they're up for re-election, yeah. honestly. Guns, too. The Republicans, I think they've acknowledged by this point that they function better as a minority party. So they just like to be the opposition, and no, no, no. they can still get reelected, and they still make tons of money, and they don't have to actually do any legislating. So, <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. Uh, like they talked about the Twenty Fifth Amendment. We're gonna use the Twenty Fifth Amendment. Honestly, that's the one thing so far in 2021 that I've been disappointed about. <laughs> that has disappointed me about um. um Pens. Yeah. Are you surprised, though? Actually, after all that, I am. I was. He was there that day. His family was there. He was... He was, he was the one... He was, they were coming for him, too. He's yeah. one of the few people calling the National Guard, trying they, to get people out there. They were shouting, there. hang Pence. Yeah. He, his life was literally at risk. Like, imagine going to work the next day, knowing your boss tried to get you killed. Exactly. No, not even yeah. that. Your boss allowed not only you to be killed, but all your people. He encouraged them. Jesus. So no, honestly, you know, Pence, I disagree with his politics, but he also seems like one of the few guys who may have been the adult in the room sometimes dealing with Trump. Uh, so this is an actual Trump quote from his address to the mob. I hope Mike is going to do the right thing. I hope so. I hope so, because if Mike does the right thing, we win the election. All Vice President Pence has to do is send it back to the states to recertify, and we become president, and you are the happiest people. And there's no process for that whatsoever, because Trump has never actually, like the Bible, read the Constitution. <laughs> like the Bible! So, he really has set these people on him, be like, you guys have to go up there and make sure Pence does what you want him to do. I like how he said he was going to go with them, too, and the Secret Service is like... No, you're not. Not your ass state right here. You're going to go in the back and you're going to watch it on TV because we're not letting you leave these gates. Sorry. No. <sighs> Secret um, Service. They're the, they're, they're the real... um. Did you read the staffer's open letter? No. Oh, God. This is a gem. Can we make it quick? Quick gem? Since this is like a side... Well, piece. if you're listening, go ahead. Look up the staffer's letter in response. It was... um. They were urging senators to convict Trump at the impeachment trial. And these are all the Senate and House staffers. They got together as like over... Oh, I think 
A couple hundred names? Yeah, the name list is longer than the actual letter. Uh, basically saying, you know, here's one. Many of us attended school in post-Columbine era and were trained to respond to active shooter situations in our classroom. As a mob smashed through the Capitol police barricades, broke doors and windows, and charged into the Capitol with body armor and weapons, many of us hid behind chairs and under desks or barricaded ourselves in offices. Others watched on TV, TV and frantically tried to reach bosses and colleagues as they fled for their lives. Um, you know, they go on to pretty much the end of it. As congressional employees, we don't have the vote on whether to convict Donald J. Trump for his role in citing the violent attack on Capitol, but our senators do, and for our sake and the sake of the country, we ask that they vote to convict the former President Parham from ever holding office again. That's all pretty much the first page. There's ten other pages, there's the signatures. Well... Like, they, everybody was like, nope. And uh, most of them are all Democrats. Um, apparently there was conversation between college, staffer colleagues and stuff like that that even Republican staffers were like, you know, allegedly saying, yeah, um, they need to get his fucking ass out of here. He almost got us all killed because they don't know our difference. They don't know any right. of us. They don't know who we are. They think we're just in all those suits walking around. I mean, they are. But, but they were afraid to say anything publicly because they'd lose their jobs. You had congressmen telling each other to take off their congressional pins. Members of Congress, take off their congressional pins. Members of Senate, take off their uh, Senate pins. Right. Like you and guys... try to blend in with the crowd, hoping that, you know, nobody would just pick them out. Um, what else we got? The police response. We or talked about it, but we didn't really get into it. Um, there was a lot of criticism of the police response that I thought was unjustified. On the day of. Okay. Not the planning. They should have had more cops. Anybody who thinks, you know, you know I wasn't reading the letters or the memo, the FBI memo, or Twitter. taking the hint, or Twitter, Parler, any of it. Um, the cops that were there that day, a lot of people could oh, they let them through the barriers, they let them through. Honestly, if I was there, I would have done the same thing. Because there's no way. It's a numbers can, game. It's a numbers game. You can't hold that ground. You could not hold that ground. This is Spartan in the let's, 300s. Let's start dropping bodies. Like, no, it's Spartan in the 300s. They but deliberately chose a narrow gate to battle the Persians. You had, like, maybe 700 people total for the Greeks. 300 Spartans. You follow the, the mob into a small area and you can control the mob. Better. So those doorways, those panelways, those stairwells, like UG Goodman was leading them up, misdirecting them, keeping them in narrow areas so you can reduce the number of who is coming in because the vast majority of them didn't actually enter the building. And... He kept them away from the Senate chamber. Exactly. Yeah. He was misdirecting them. Keep them in the narrows. So when they when they fell back off that line, they fell back to the building as fast as they could. Because they're meeting them in the narrows of those stairwells, those steps outside. They're meeting them in the narrows of those doors leading into the building. Uh, we can also talk uh, briefly about how uh, slow the National Guard response was. But you can talk about that, but you have to acknowledge that at first it had to be Trump to call it in, and he was refusing to. Well, so... So... God. Uh, the mayor of D.C. Um, called for help, uh, and she was told that... Um, they had to get uh, McCarthy to sign off on anything. McCarthy? Army Secretary Oh, uh, Secretary McCarthy. I was like, wait a minute. Um, what? When did he come back from the dead? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> anticipating such approval, um, 
Major General William Walker, Walker begins to move the National Guard members closer to the capital. Um, but no call was made. So, yeah. getting into military chain of command, um, the D.C. National Guard is fairly unique in that they do answer directly the National Guard. Did I say Air National Guard? No. The, the D.C. National Guard in general, both Air and Ground Forces, answer directly to the President of the United States. Um, that being said, this is one of the reasons why people talk about D.C. statehood now. They're adding this to the list of reasons why D.C. should get a statehood. I mean, I've always been a part of yeah. D.C. statehood. Yeah. And Guam. That was a funny, there was a press conference, there was a funny thing, there was a press conference uh, about two weeks or so after the insurrection. And the D.C. mayor was taking questions on it, and she referred to herself as governor. Just briefly, like a little, like, or not her, or it was either her, she actually referred to herself as governor, or somebody in the press conference, somebody referred to her as governor of D.C., and I was like, soon. There's a slip up. Um, um, but yeah, like, she could have called them herself, and they would have had to listen to her if no, she was, if she was, if she was a governor, governor, yeah. But, um. No, they answered directly to Trump at the top. They answered directly to the president. So when McCarthy had to make the call, the funny thing is Hogan was calling. Um, people were calling Hogan. People were calling, uh, calling um, uh, what's the governor? The Virginia governor? Uh, I don't know his name. No, that's California. Newsom's California. Hmm? Yeah, it doesn't matter. Anyway, they were calling the governor. Of Virginia, and you know, hey, can you get these guys ready? Most of them were calling um, Hogan, though. Hogan got a number of those calls, and he's like, "Look, I want to. I legally can't." But he did have MSP, Maryland State Police, standing by. They went in, stuff like that, to help assist. But sending the guard in is a whole different level of law. Um. And one of the things I'm hoping comes of this whole 9-11 style commission, members of Congress who helped. Yeah. Marjorie Taylor Greene. Oh, they're, she, she's just a start. There's a few of them. They were giving the tours. Apparently there were phone calls and text messages and a bunch of other stuff going around. I can't wait to see what comes of that. Um... You know, and I think it's funny, you know, we bring up the Oath Keepers, you bring up the Proud Boys. Canada wrote, made the, uh, labeled the Proud Boys a terrorist organization after this. I think, yeah, they're officially labeled as a terrorist organization in Canada now. But I, th I think the real question, um, to really wrap this all up, is where do we go from here? Like... Well, I know where I want to go. Like, where do we as a country and as a nation What's take from... What do we take from this event? And where do we go? Whatever is left. <laughs> he did the thing. Oh, I'm sorry, baby girl. We go with define <laughs> definitions. No more loopholes. No more ways of wiggling out. Of define what terrorism. Well, there is right a definition. Now. Me? Yeah, you know, to define. What, how do you plan on, you know, doing this? If I had to do, like, the bread and butter, like, legal lately, to jargon it for everybody, is yeah. any person or group of people... Committing an act with the goal or the desire to cause a political, be it personal 
or interpersonal for a acting state or government shall be charged as a terrorist if they use means of violence to achieve this goal. That's like the vaguest thing I've ever heard. How's it vague? I covered violence, motive, people or persons. So you're trying to be specific while being general at the same time and that's why it's vague. That's why you have it as a definition. Like I said, it's already defined. Domestic terrorism is already defined under our law. It's making those points of actually, okay, what actions can be modified to classify them as actions of terrorism, bringing those specific penalties with it. Is looting and autos on <laughs> domestic terrorism? Is there a political motive to it? No. Are you sure? What's the political motive for raiding autos? If I'm in a riot and I decide, um, you know what, this auto zone looks right for the picking. I'm gonna go loot it and. Actually, I'll give you a more. I'll give you a more. The guy who got caught breaking an auto zone in Minneapolis. I was gonna say I could be more specific. The target that was looted in Minneapolis. The reason that they specifically chose that one it was actually political gain. Target um, is is located in Minnesota, along with Best Buy. Those two headquarters actually go a lot in the community. They are the ones who put the cameras up in the area and which caught the the everything that happened. That is when it becomes political. That's when breaking into a target or an auto zone counts. And that's when it becomes political. Or the guy who beat broke in the auto zone windows right before everything started going sideways to incite more dangerous activities. So yeah, you're saying probably an insider. So you're saying someone, no, he was. Yeah. He, he found out he was a cop. So you're saying someone could argue that anyone yeah. who gives support to a political candidate organization, any attack on them becomes a terrorist act? Absolutely. No, that's a sure thing. No, that's absolutely the fact. That is terrorism. Like I said before, if I kill you for political motivations, that could fit under the definition of terrorism. That's a, that's, a, that's a long line of to stretch out the term. So, I, I asked earlier whether Why do you these think definitions... we don't do it domestically? Yeah, like... Like, if I... Okay, hypothetical. I am a Muslim. I am a radicalized Muslim. And I kill you in the name of Islam because you are a member of the great Satan state, an American, and you promote American values and force my people to live under that. And I cite ISIS... It's my motivator, and I work for ISIS, and I kill you, that's terrorism. Just murdering you because of that belief, that's terrorism. If I steal your wallet and say it's in the name of ISIS, you can classify that technically as terrorism. If, uh, if protesters were to wheel out a guillotine in front of Jeff Bezos' house... Not terrorism. Maybe. Is their message political? I feel like eat the rich, be. kill the rich. It could be. It could be. Uh, that sounds pretty political to me, terrorist. So there you I, go. I, That's I, all I just, it takes. I'm just saying that just because it's Jeff Bezos, we don't have to classify it as terrorism. Right. We can dehumanize Jeff Bezos. He's little. just a drag, a ball-headed dragon sitting on his coins. No. Uh, if you if you show up with the guillotine in front of Jeff Bezos' house, but you have no real intention of actually harming him, that's political speech. But if you drag him out of his house, I could yeah. I, I, yeah. I find the angle to make you a terrorist if the law accounts for it. Yeah. That's what, that was my point. It's like, yeah. I could just put a guillotine and be like, you know, That's like everybody King George. Was, everybody was hyping the shitty noose in front of the Capitol. I'm sorry, that, that noose wasn't going to hang anybody. That was busted as shit. 
That was all prop. That thing was a prop. But it was the idea of what the news stood exactly. for. Exactly. And that's why I got such an attention. Oh my god, they brought out a noose to hang Mike Mentz. It's like the guillotines that have showed up at other ones. That Antifa's brought out and some of the other like lefties have brought out with We brought the guillotine, we're marching down the street with the guillotine. <laughs> Are they going after anybody specific? I didn't hear any names, they're just saying the pistol Well, that one says tr- fuck Trump. Maybe they're trying to go for Trump. He's in fucking DC, we're all the way in LA. Whatever. They'll get there eventually. I know, right? <laughs> they'll they'll do all, all the way there. The lefty migrant character. We'll we'll do the the force the force gump uh, travels. Antifa make that happen. Antifa make it happen. Somebody somebody call. Um, I, had no, I had no comment on that one. Oh, what's his name? Somebody call uh 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 George Soros. We need some money for this trip. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh David Dobrik, I hear he oh, loves giving God, out money. The great the great anti-Semitic whistle. Just just. Just blame Soros. You already know who we're talking about when you mentioned Soros. Yeah, uh, make sure to use uh, double parentheses. Oh, yeah, um, double parentheses. Yeah. Soros. Yeah. Um, Jesus. But yeah, so... What, what do we do? What do we do? What yeah, do we do? I mean, does... You know, that, that was the question. Does, does the meaning <laughs> have do? any meaning anymore? Like, Does terrorism have any meaning? Yeah, it's, it absolutely you know. does. But it's it, you're at the bar, you're drunk, you're looking at the woman. It's the eyes of the beer holder. Because honestly, when it comes to the conversation, a lot of people talk about terrorism from the most drunk perspective. It's emotionally charged. That's what yes. I said at the beginning. It's a loaded, it is a loaded subject. Yeah, I, I, I feel like my position on this has changed a little bit over the course of this conversation. It, it's really become, like, what do you do about it? You can't, uh, you know... You have the battle of ideology, that's it. Yeah, you can't really uh, use domestic terrorism as a weapon against one side without it being used against the other. Um, and even in, in looking at terrorism overseas, you know... It's one of those grabastic war on this situations. We have a war on poverty. We still have people poor. We have a war on crime. People still commit crime. War on drugs. Yeah. People are still drugs. War on terrorism. We're gonna kill all them. Um, um, you know them people. Brown people. Yeah, we're gonna kill all the brown peoples. Um, you're talking about a fundamental battle of ideology, and to quote a movie. Um, V, v from V from Vendetta said it best. Ideas are bulletproof. You can't just kill an idea. You simply can't. So the idea is to keep people from wanting to cling on to that idea. And it comes down to education. It comes down to having... It's been my biggest talking points that have been on here. It comes down to accountability in the media, too. Because the media feeds a lot of that shit. Uh-huh. News! War on terrorism! Ah! Domestic violence! Ah! Uh, ah! Uh, Domestic unrest. Whatever grabs headlines. And I'm saying domestic violence is a general sense. I shouldn't have used that term. But, you know, it grabs you. We're grabbing headlines because of pain, suffering, violence. We want you to think the way we think immediately. But we're not going to offer you any solutions to combat the ideology. Because it goes against the... It doesn't get ratings. You know, CNN did this campaign recently about the truth is the truth and stuff like that. And I was like, that's cute. You guys still kind of um, 
spiel for some of the wrong spiel for some of the wrong people. So you don't always have the right idea. Fox. Well, we're not fake news. What the fuck are you? Well, they're me? an entertainment company. I know so. technically. Yeah. I like how the oh the what was it. This was in Pennsylvania, what, two years ago? Uh, Fox is not allowed to be in Canada because... Oh, no, this one's better. Basically, Fox lawyers defended Fox by saying, uh, no no reasonable viewer would believe anything we said. Yeah, for Tucker Carlson. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, he was a case against Tucker. And they were arguing the basis for Fox News entirely. Nobody would take us seriously. That's their defense. Yeah. And uh, that's completely wrong, because millions and millions of people do, but... But apparently Fox is fake news now, too. So, so I mean, they always have always been. been saying that. Uh, yeah, but now it's <laughs> official. Trump said it, so they're fake news now. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so, uh, closing thoughts. Um, domestic terrorism is complicated. Um, there's not a whole lot that uh, we could do about it legislatively. Um... What do you guys have? I'm saying open the Pandora's box. Either you deal with the situation until you die, or you see what's on the other side. Um, I mean, I personally am not looking forward to an even more, you know, polarized, like, police state. I don't think... You're kind of almost I'm, I'm kind of agreeing with Hunter when he makes that point, because, again... At the end of the day, you're talking about we're going to make this and then we're going to enforce it. Because it's not just about the acts itself, it's also pertaining to designating organizations. And that's how the international one works. You are empowering the centrist establishment of the country when you treat both ends of the spectrum with that same kind of like uh, prejudice. Well, I'm, I'm going with the idea that I know I won't please everyone because it's literally impossible but the best thing i can do is put in protections so something like this can't happen again but you got to realize once you associate with a specific group and they decide to say they're terrorists guess what even if you haven't done anything you're designated as a member of a terrorist organization so they're coming for you that's the issue that's what some of the it wasn't it's not just about voter politics. That's kind of the main key here is not alienating voters. It's also, wow, that could be potentially crossing a line that's going to piss off every American on both sides. So you got to deal with the due process issues with that, the due process implications on classifying somebody as a criminal even though they may not have committed an actual criminal act yet. Or going out of their way. It's complicated. And it's not something that's going to simply change because we passed more laws. I don't it's th- going to be an issue of addressing the rhetoric. It's going to be an issue of addressing the ideologies that go into this. There's a just st- stark difference between support and action. Your actions can define you as something. You supporting something does not define you as a person. People have been arguing that rhetoric for generations. Yeah, and guess what? You still have a Nazi who ran for Congress last year. And, and they got pretty close, I guess. And, then yeah, that, it was, and again, yeah. who's that the fault on? Them? Or people went to go vote. They didn't look into the person. No, they knew exactly who he was. He had a, he he had made a pretty a, public... He, yeah, he had a pretty public... Uh, 
in public Not the stance. Image, you know. <laughs> yeah. He had a pretty public image and stance. The point is, is you're classifying... It comes down to an issue of the police state thing. If the government can arbitrarily say a group's a terrorist organization, it doesn't matter if somebody's done anything or not. Once they, If they have associated with, they're investigated, they're a member, they're going to come after you. But they're going to come after everybody. Isn't that like the equivalent of the Red Scare? Yeah. Yeah. What you're basically advocating for is the Red Scare to happen again. I'm sorry. If you make this a law you're pretty much going down a line where you're advocating for that. And even when the Red Scare happened, they actually didn't have laws that allowed them to do that. They just did it without law. It's like, buy Antifa, buy Black Lives Matter. Yeah, sure, we might be able to target neo-Nazis, clan members, and these weirdo fucking right-wing militia dudes, but you're targeting everybody. Anytime I went on and said, hashtag BLM. Anytime I went on and said, hashtag this, hashtag that. Every associated single, with this person, associated with that person. Every single time you swing right, the right's going to cry, why aren't you swinging left? And this is the issue with the domestic terrorism laws and approaching them. Right now, we're at such a hotbed level of polarization... This is going to turn into a whole nother situation. So, do you have any uh, opinions, any closing thoughts, Danny? I think we really covered it all pretty well. I just... Don't want history to repeat itself. Mm-hmm. And, and we're, we're at a crossroads with a bunch of different things possibly repeating themselves. Yeah, that's the problem. So... yeah. I'm worry some of the future, but also 